cliffcentral.com. So increasingly, humanity finds itself drowning in information. We are choking in a deluge of data. We are increasingly suffering from bandwidth anxiety between our Twitter feeds and Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds. Most people talk about the fact that now we live in the attention economy. Attention is the new limited resource. Attention is the new oil. If you don't have ADD today, you're not paying attention. This is the question on everybody's minds. How do we curate what we pay attention to? How do we push aside the noise and focus on what's important? Stuart Brand used to say, science is the only news. The rest is the same he says and she says that you see in the media. And so if I were to be talking to entrepreneurs, if I was talking to heads of companies, I would tell them, pay attention to exponentials. Pay attention to disruptive technologies. Pay attention to the progress in artificial intelligence, biotechnology, nanotechnology, right? The big three, GNR, genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics. These are the forces that are upending the world. These are the new trillion dollar industries that are going to emerge out of no place. Think exponentially, pay attention to disruptive technology. Hey, welcome to the Futurology Show. Yes, think exponentially. And be pay attention to disruptive technology. It was so awesome to be at Singularity. Oh, I'm still wet. It's still okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> not a sight I have on. Oh. Yeah. It, was, it was going so well, right? We we had like five seconds of uninterrupted, like crazy. Okay, can we restart just, this? No, I've just spilled the water on myself. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yes, but how yes, did you yes, think? Yes. What did you think of Singularity University Summit? Yep, still wet. <laughs> my coward. Yeah, look, it was mind blowing. I mean, the, these guys were fantastic. Um, we've got some interesting guys coming up today. Hey? We, we do. Yes. We've got, uh, Ramez Nam talking about energy. We've got Ryan Noach, uh, local is lacquer. Local. Yeah. From Discovery yeah. talking about health and what they're doing. Yeah. MTN was a, uh, partner yeah, yeah, in the, right. in Singularity and we spoke to Stephen Van Collar. And at the end, we spoke about digital biology with Mr. Raymond McCauley, not Pastor Ray McCauley, but Raymond McCauley of Singularity University. Wow. Well, he did preach, didn't he? He preached no, about I'm digital kidding. biology. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was converted, I must say. Like that you was, were? that was amazing stuff, yeah. man. And, uh, if you, if you're looking for some amazingness to listen to over the next hour, welcome to the Futurology Show. For we sure. are going to be talking. And uh, going back at some of the interviews we did at Singularity and meeting some amazing people. It's so good to have you back from Amsterdam, Paul. Thank it you. Is. It I is. Like, I like it here. Yeah. It's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> the that little brand sign in front of the uh, currency is, is always welcoming. Red light district. Let's move swiftly on. So who we, who's, the, who's the first lineup here? So, talking about energy Terrible. and where the best place is to spend it, make it, consume it, and use it, and all the rest, is Mr. Ramez Nam. Brought to you by ESCOM. Or not. not. <laughs> but they, they really actually should be listening to this, because they they, if, if it, they're in trouble. Mm. Oh, yeah, for Let's sure. Let's put it that way. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of people taking up the opportunity to, to fix this problem. So, here's Ramez Nam from Singularity University Summit, and uh, it was a great interview. Hope you enjoyed. 
It's fantastic to be at Singularity University Loving Summit. It. I mean, my, our minds have been completely blown away. Oh, yeah. And then put back together and blown again. And then blown again. I mean, it just doesn't end, does it, Brett? No, no it's great. I'm, I'm really excited to have in studio with us Ramez Nam. I mean, you, your presentation, I think, had the whole of South African Twitter sphere exploding with energy. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brett. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the show, because um, uh, your topic about exponential energy energy was mind-boggling. Thanks. I'm a futurist myself. I'm ex-Microsoft. I'm a mm. software guy. Mm. But for the last seven, eight years, I've really focused on energy and on the, the plunging cost of solar and wind and batteries and what that means for the world. I mean, plunging. You, uh, It's probably the best example I've seen of it. You, know, you talked about a 270-fold decrease. Was that the right number? Something like that. 1977, it cost $77 for one watt of solar panel. Mm. And today you can buy that for 30 cents. That is so it's incredible. That is incredible. So, I mean, that's everybody's talking about exponential growth in technology, but that's the exponential price com- competitive pricing? That's right. It's the exponential price decline yes. of technology. And things don't need to get better. They just need to get cheaper so that people have more access. Absolutely. Yeah. So Actually, that's a very good point. I, I, I keep thinking solar technology especially, it's advancing. But I believe that the, the solar... Uh, I can't remember what the cells are called. Photovoltaic. Uh, Thank you. Photovoltaic. Uh, Cells are literally maybe increasing in technology slightly, but it's actually purely price point move, right? That's right. The the photovoltaics themselves are better. Now they're about 21% efficiency, Mm. how what fraction of sunlight they turn into electricity. And that goes up by about a point every two years. But the main improvement is in the manufacturing process of them. That uses less energy, they're thinner, they recycle more. And so that has brought the cost down tremendously. So... It's it's incredible. I mean, we're always optimizing. We're talking about ex- exponential go- growth and disruption. But there's this global understanding of opportunity spaces where these types of energies are best used. You had a great example of uh, the, the sun exposure that in Germany versus the sun exposure in just one small part of yeah, South Africa. Yeah. And uh, it's where you put these as well that actually yields the most output. That's right. In South Africa gets twice as much sun as Germany does. And Germany was the world's leader in solar until about 2015 or so. So one small corner of the northwest of South Africa gets as much sunlight as the entire nation of Germany. And just, it's it's stunning, really. So just 1% of the land there would power the entire, entire nation. So... Um, in South Africa, we're always talking about how do we be com- globally competitive. I mean, if you look at how, uh, where we make most of our money, it's from tourism, it's from minerals that we mine, gold, diamonds, those kind of things. But those are limited resources. Is this the opportunity for sun-filled or energy-filled nations to be able to export energy? Absolutely. And you can export it directly or you can do what, say, Iceland does. Iceland has very cheap energy from geothermal. And so Iceland uses that to manufacture. Iceland uses that to process aluminum. And so South Africa could be an exporter using this cheap energy to manufacture goods. So uh, manufacturing 
energy cost effectively and being able to convert it into manufacturing. I guess that's a huge opportunity when you're mining bitcoins or you're mining Ethereum coins because surely that's the conversion of energy into dollars. We do see that people who mine cryptocurrency effectively place themselves near cheap energy sources. Yep, so yep. you often find them near hydroelectric dams for instance, okay. because that's cheap 24-7 electricity. And I think there is an opportunity for cheap solar combined with coin mining. And I believe, Brett, you've been uh, mining Ethereum recently. Yeah, you've yeah, made we've... a ton of money on it, right? <laughs> well, we had a couple of extra gaming servers lying around, so we figured uh, it'd be better use to plug them in and let them do something. And we are closely monitoring the power consumption versus the earnings. How's it going? We're coming up. We're coming out up, which okay. is good. Yeah. So, but that's when the human greed factor kicks in. You're like, how many more of these can we do? <laughs> and like, can we buy more graphic cards? And then where do we do it? And then eventually your brain goes a little bit crazy because at some point it does come back to the sustainable energy required. That's right. To actually make it profitable. That's right. But you could also heat your home with your mining. Yes. Systems. And they're doing, where are they doing that? They're doing that in Amsterdam? I'm not sure. Yeah, but so in, in, in a European country, they're actually starting to do some of the plumbing goes through the server units, the data center, and actually they don't have a geezer because they just run it through the CPUs over the processors. I did notice that you didn't have a whole lot of property papers for Northern Cape. <laughs> hint, hint. Solar panel. Yeah. Ah, excellent. But your, your bio is really, really interesting. Not only is your talk very interesting, but your bio explains a very interesting human who has ridden his bicycle down the coast of Vietnam. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. And you've climbed mountains and gone down crevasses. Yes. So just tell us a little bit about you and oh my why gosh. you do yeah. these things. Uh, I'm a science fiction writer also. Okay. It's a lot of yeah. what I do. Yeah, you've got four books. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, a number of sci-fi novels. Nexus is my first novel. Uh, yeah, I, I like to live a life of adventure. I mean, who doesn't? If you have Brilliant. the chance. Uh, so each of those, it's not that I'm riding my bicycle down the coast of Vietnam every day. Yeah. yeah. Once, it was <laughs> wonderful. Thank you for stopping absolutely. and pulling over for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, just you want to live... Uh, a life that is full of rich experiences. Yep, yep. Experiences matter more than possessions for your happiness. Yep, yep. And you want to live a life where you feel that you're having some positive impact on other people. That's my my overall view. That is fantastic. I absolutely I, love it. I, I subscribe very much to that way of thinking. Energy, energy spent doing optimistic and amazing things with great output yeah. is definitely worth doing. Yeah. So I hear the Twitter sphere in South Africa is a bit lit up by my talk. And that's great. I mean, that's what makes me happy. It's like, okay, yeah. you, you made some change in the world. And hopefully this, this show that we're doing today here will too. Fantastic. Thanks. I guess I just want to cover one yeah. last part. And it was very, very important. And I'm going to throw it forward a bit. And it seems to lie in storage of energy. Yes. Um, can you go, just go, go into that a bit for our guests? Because there's a lot of, a lot of stuffs happening yeah. there, so, especially thinking. Forward. So the sun shines and it sets, mm. right? Now the, the peak of electricity demand is usually during the day when the sun is shining, but you want electricity at night. The wind tends to kick in more at night and more in winter and it helps, but you really, ultimately, you have to have some way to store the sunshine or the wind power to use when you want it and to fill in. Uh, and that has been incredibly expensive in the past, but it's plunging in price. The price of batteries over the last 20 years has dropped about 20-fold. And wow. just since 2010, they've gone down about 5x in price. So they're getting to the point, they're close to the point, where we can really use them to store all of this incredible amount of solar energy that South Africa can generate. 
Duracell, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually am called the Duracell bunny at some of the places I go to because well, I don't surprised. just stop. But I mean, at, at some point, humans are a battery. Is that not a look to the future where we actually start storing some of the energy we can make ourselves? It sounds like we're talking about the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but why not? If they've dreamt it once, we can dream it again. Yeah, I mean, well, we store chemical yeah. energy. We eat food. That's an energy source. We make ATP. It's an energy source. So I would personally love, people can't see me, but I have a slightly thicker midsection than I'd like. So I'd be happy to like... You're, you look very thin to but, me. Well, thanks so much. No. I'd be happy to like just plug in my phone and have it charge and, oh, yes. and burn a little excess fat. So yes. I'm looking, yeah. I'd patent that if I had any clue how to actually do it. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think it was, was it Carlos' talk or your talk where he was talking about the bicycle versus the car and how the, the bicycle takes fat and turns it into energy and how the car takes energy and turns it into fat. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carlo, but yes. Uh, so yeah, it's, if, if you're able to do that in the future, maybe we are the ultimate battery. Who knows? Maybe so. But uh, thank you so much for the time today. We look forward to an opportunity. Thank you, Brett and Brett. Great to be yeah, here. Thank, thank you, you very much. All the best. That's it. I promise you I'm buying myself uh, some solar panels. I'm done. You know what? I'm, I'm done. I, I'm going to wait another two years because by the time two years comes around, I'll, I'll be able to cover ten times the amount for the same price. No, Matt, Mike, Mike, I'm just looking Matt, at you Mike, Mike, like Matt, a Matt. laggard. I wanted to say maggard. By the time ten years has gone past and you've wasted all of your money buying yes. some municipal infrastructure power, <laughs> uh, you won't have anything yeah. left. You won't. You won't. <laughs> so, but you know what? It's 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 a you know, ESCOM has got a lot to wake up on. We want to build this nuclear crap. Uh, I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. I mean, the coal power plants. We I have, mean, this is insane. We I mean. have the most exposure to sunlight in possibly the world, the arguably world? the yeah. world, and that we're not using it. And yet, it's in our backyard, and the price of photovoltaic solar is going down. And yet, there are still people that have no power infrastructure in this country. And it's not it hard. It breaks my brain. Yeah. Come, guys. Let's pay yeah. attention to where the needs are and let's start solving some problems. Absolutely. Well, luckily, if your brain is broken, yes. our next guest Can fix is this. all about fixing brains, right? Yes. yes. Well, I guess, is he fixing brains? He's fixing, He's fixing the entire body. The entire body. Yes. And and, and, and that's Ryan Noach, the deputy CEO yes. of Discovery. Yeah. It's all um, on you, Ryan. You've got to fix the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Did you have a much, much of a man crush on Ryan as you did on uh, Craig Nozzle? I have to admit, Craig's still top of my pile, T- man. Top of your pile, man. Craig, I'm wearing your shoes today. Yeah. You are, hey? Yeah. I like are, your shoes. are you walking the talk? I have been. Um, I, I have been. So I, I managed to get my free vitality rewards. I got some smoothies and some coffees because of all the walking I did. Oh, So I, I took my shoes that Dr. Craig gave us, and I, I went to the International Broadcast Conference in Amsterdam, and I walked oh. a, an average of almost 12 kilometers a day. Wow. Boom. Thank God he gave you good shoes. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I was thinking that every step. Yeah. Absolutely. Jeez. So absolutely. yeah. Thank you, Dr. Craig. It's uh, well worth it. And those, those vitality rewards are, are a great treat when you, when you sync your health app on your phone and you're like, Hey, this is pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, free smoothie, smoothie free smoothie, free coffee. I'm like, boom, this is what I need to keep walking. But it, but it does work. I mean, it I'm does not, work. Yeah. You, you do lose weight as well, but this is not an advert for discovery. No, but it, it does work well. And that's, but that's a nice thing. The whole point yeah. of it is that th- this is people locally that are doing and Absolutely. they're doing well. And it's, it's about incentivizing not only the interaction through technology, Absolutely. but also a better life and a better way of living and ultimately our health. For sure. Yes. So here's Mr. Ryan Noach. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
absolutely having a blast at Singularity University. It's Brett Sinclair here. Um, we're really fortunate to have Ryan Noach with us. He's the Deputy Chief Executive Officer of Discovery. What a legend. Um, you were up on the, uh, the MedTech fireside chat with Raymond McCauley. And by the way, that is not the South African Raymond McCauley. Um, he's all about flirting with uh, genetics. Is digital, digital biology. And, and digital biology. Yeah, and so he's part of the Singularity stuff. University faculty. Yeah, that's talking right. specifically about that digital biology. So, so Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Uh, we're really excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about your, your, your passion around the med tech space. Yeah, no, it's really great to be here. I should say up front that uh, actually Raymond McCauley is the legend in the space. Uh, the only people who call me a legend are my mates uh, when we down some beers. Right? I don't know. You, you kind of arch on there. We've been impressed. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a clinician. I'm a doctor by profession, although I don't really know what to do with a patient anymore. Um, and um, work at Discovery where uh, really I found meaning and incredible challenges. Uh, I'm passionate about digital healthcare yeah. and uh, the technology and med tech developments around digital healthcare are changing the way care is being delivered. Mm. Uh, we, we live in a society globally where doctors are in charge and patients are inferior. Mm, and true, certainly yeah. for our parents and our grandparents, if they were told to take the little pink pool, they just took it. They mm. didn't want to know why or what it was or what it did or what was wrong with them. It's quite just scary you think about it. It's right? wrong. It's yeah. wrong. The error so, of the specialist. Yeah. yeah, well, the point is that consumers, people, patients should be central to the healthcare mm. system. Mm. They should be fully informed. They should have the right to ask for multiple opinions. Mm. They should completely understand uh, what they're doing and what their treatment plan is. And technology, and particularly digital platforms, wearable sensors, mm. genetic information, artificial intelligence, is putting that at the fingertips yeah. of the consumers through your mobile phone and through other channels. And uh, it's really changing the game. So I suppose, I mean, you're talking a lot about uh, experience, by the sounds of you, redefining the doctor-patient experience purely through technology. And it's very much like what banks are trying to do by getting people away from the branches, right? But you're doing this at scale with MedTech. Yeah, no, we way past getting away from the branches. <laughs> no, you guys are lucky, right? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. um, I, I mean, I don't think I've been into a bank branch in 25 years. But it's a wonderful experience, yeah, surely. <laughs> I, so I should, I, I should say this. Uh, we, you know, one of the really exciting developments is we're about to launch to every Discovery member uh, a connected platform called Dr. Connect. And what it does is it allows you to ask consumer health-related questions of an artificial intelligence engine. Uh, that engine has got 5.4 billion questions and answers behind it and has been trained over time. Yeah, because it does take a while to train. Everyone thinks, a long oh, you time. just whip it in no, and no, it takes you a go. Long time. Yeah. And if the artificial intelligence engine can't answer you, you can very easily ask a doctor mm. a generic question That's across correct. the platform. Mm. And if the doctor can't answer you, you can very easily do a consultation with the doctor mm. on the platform mm. off your mobile phone or your web, uh, web-enabled computer. Um, the, the one requirement in South Africa is the law requires that if you're going to do that consultation with a doctor, that it be your own doctor. And okay. so we'll only be able to connect you to your own doctor. That's, that's the quite law. an interesting because your own doctor is just someone you might have randomly reached out to recently whoever in your was area, whoever was Well, we define it as somebody that you have had a consultation with in the last 12 months. Okay. So anybody okay. who you've seen in the last 12 months, a specialist uh, or a, a family practitioner. Interesting requirement. 
yeah, I suppose it uh, protects the liability of the doctor okay. to make sure that mm. the doctor really understands your clinical condition. Okay. Many countries have moved on. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the U.S. today, yeah. virtual consultations, there were 100 million of them in 2016, according to a McKinsey report. Wow. And uh, you can do a virtual consultation with any doctor, whether you know them or not. But the law is the law, and so we will connect you to your doctor. And seamlessly, you can talk to your doctor over the mobile. The doctor will capture a clinical record of that. You'll have all your clinical information available and uh, can support you. So. The idea of this connected information world that we live in, uh, patients are going to find out about what they want to find out about themselves through Google. And we get terms like Google Chondriac coming up and people coming up with the worst information possible about mm. how they're going to live or die in the next coming weeks. But it's great that you guys are putting together a platform that actually focuses the right questions to the right places to hopefully have more informed people. Uh, is this, was that sort of a big part of it? Are you seeing the, sort of that transformation between guys just finding any information from anywhere and the adoption of something like this? Yeah. It doesn't come out of us seeing many problems okay. with that. Mm. Of course, clinicians report all the time how yeah. problematic this is. Let me mm. give you a very short story as an example. Mm. A patient goes to see a neurologist. Neurologist says, you've got this, this, and this condition. It's a real story. My ex-wife is a neurologist. Uh, you've got this, this, and this condition, and unfortunately, we've got to treat it this way, and there isn't better treatment available. Second consultation, patient comes along and says, look, here's a study I found on the internet and you can treat it with this fancy serum that nobody's ever heard anything about and when you dig deep into the study 12 patients in some remote corner of France who were treated with some serum, there's not proper evidence, there's not a statistically relevant study and so on and so on mm. that's the danger yeah. and clinicians are seeing that regularly the point about a platform is it needs to provide reliable information mm. and contextually relevant yeah. and the best way to do that is to know something about you. Yeah. Yeah. So, for yeah. example, at Discovery, we have created a personal health record for each of our members. It's available on your Discovery app. And I think the U.S. would kill for something like that, right, to, to track the health record of an individual. It's so disparate. Yeah, look, in the U.S., 52% of doctors use health records now. Oh, do they? Okay. Electronic so health record there. systems, yeah. Jeez. They've just crossed the 50% mark. Okay. Um, so once we have your personal health record, we connect it with the artificial intelligence information. Mm -hmm. We can hopefully give you a relatively intuitive response. I guess what I'm really excited about that is you can now reach these massive platforms like Embed the Bot into a messenger, into WhatsApp, and you could probably scale it even further into whatever regions you want to go into, yeah. right? Multi-channel, multi-presence, um, and you know, it should be, be everywhere, ultimately. So how does the world look different? Mm. Yeah. Well, we think much less face-to-face -face consultations, mm. much more virtual consultations, <clears throat> much more informed consumers accessing reliable information, contextually relevant. So it's, it looks different. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but uh, it will hopefully will materialize. That's excellent. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I know that you're a busy man and you're mm -hmm. going and building amazing things, and we look forward to what discovery you're going to give us in the future. The, uh, quick wrap-up. Singularity University? Good, bad, otherwise, coming back next year? This is my second engagement. I yeah. spoke at the local chapter first and at this conference. Absolutely phenomenal speakers, world leaders. 
uh, Raymond McCauley, who, who I've just had the privilege of chatting mm. to, uh, really one of the world's pioneers in biotech. Mm. Um, and so just the caliber of the people yeah. and the content, fantastic, and, uh, you know, really presented in a beautiful way. Excellent. Well, Thanks Ladies for and gentlemen, yeah, thank you very much. Ryan Noach, uh, Deputy Chief Executive Officer of Discovery Health. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cool. Cheers. Cool. How was that, guys? It was good. You you weren't there that time. So. No, I wasn't. I what, wasn't, but what, I did listen. Yeah? But it's it's really cool to see that they're doing something in South yeah. Africa. I mean, it's in this in this summit filled with international people all talking about big, big global challenges. It's nice that we're addressing some of these global challenges around health and yeah. access access to, to the right medicines and access to just great living, better living. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Ryan's a crazy, crazy busy guy. Oh, yeah. And, and like the whole way through, you could see he was just bursting to go into his, his next million meetings. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm really chuffed that we managed to get some of your yeah. time. Okay. No, it was very good. It was good. And yeah. uh, another – Person that we had also local is lacquer is uh, Stephen Van Collar from yes. MTN uh, was also able to come through and uh, chat to us and also as a partner strategic partner of the Singularity Summit. That's this right. Year. I missed him. You see, like Did I you? keep missing him. I just missed him at at, at, at Barclays. Okay, and now he's joined MTN and came and interviewed with, with you guys, and, and I missed I, him again. I, 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 so I, I tell you what Jeez. I'll do is I'll reach out up, to man. I'll reach out to Stephen and ask him to come and join us because I think what's you know we, we're talking about singularity and we're talking about this great exponential, but but Stephen's a guy in the corporate world. Um, and he's obviously very, very inspired by this, as you know, you'll hear in the, in the chat coming up. I'm going to ask him to come and join us for a full hour so we yeah. can actually understand how mm. do you do exponential? Well, how yeah. do you do singularity? So I'll reach out to, to Stephen because yeah. he, he did say he would come and join us for, for an sure. Hour. So yeah, but he's also super busy. Yeah, it was a, it was a great interview we had with him as well. We spoke about yes. not only singularity and how their involvement was in singularity, but also yes. how the telco infrastructure is actually there to make space for these types of Exponential technologies right. to work, yeah. and that's hugely important as well. I mean, they get bashed quite a lot with data and all the, the way end yes. consumers mm. are operating with stuff, but without the backbone, without the infrastructure that's there to 100%. support it, there, there's no singularity. There's, well, there's, no, there's, no, <laughs> there's no connectivity. There is no, no right. connectivity. So here's Mr. Stephen Collar again from the Singularity Summit in Johannesburg that we had earlier this year, a couple of months ago, two months ago now, yeah. and uh, it was fantastic. So here's Stephen Collar from Singularity. So we're still at the Singularity U Summit in South Africa, and we are enjoying our time here. Mike, are you having a great time so far? I love it. Fantastic. Great speakers, very entertaining, very insightful, and, and expanding the mind. And it's Brilliant. wonderful how everybody just has such a firm grasp of the topic that they are talking about. It's really Absolutely. great to, to chat to these people and to learn so much more about the depths of knowledge that's coming from all over the world to this to this great summit we're having here. Well, I, I think so, and, and thanks to MTN. And we've got Stephen yes. Van Collar in here with us. Yes, so. for sure. So Stephen Van Collar, the VP of Digital Services, Data Analytics, and Business Development at MTN. Thanks for your time to join us on Futurology Show. Pleasure. I mean, I'm very excited to be here. Um, as you know, in my last job, uh, we had a sort of trial summit, and we had a very close session yeah. with only our top clients, and it went down extremely well. And so we've been trying to just, you know, personally and with uh, man-made media actually to get them yeah. back. And uh, the way we've managed to focus it, um, you know, we just feel that as an African summit, uh, MTN, you know, being having 250 million customers across Africa, this is really something that we have to get involved in. We've got to get technology out there. We've got innovation yeah. out there. Mm. And, you know, the, it's, it sounds like a good good CSR um, a story, but really what it's about is 
if you can bring this innovation and you can create GDP growth, yeah. we are 100% correlated to GDP growth. Yeah. So uh, that's really what we're actually driving at. And, you know, our, our slogan is to make our you know, customers' lives a whole lot brighter and, you know, just bringing innovation into... The that's not talking about the, the cell phone screen. Make it brighter. <laughs> well, yellow is pretty bright. So. Yeah, it, is, it is pretty bright. But, but, but you play a very important role in mm. Africa. I mean, just the very nature of your business, it's about data, it's about connectivity. Um, and and without, without that, we wouldn't actually be able to do any of these amazing things. And these exp- exponential ideas and thinking that has been shared today would not be possible. So, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a group, I think it's fantastic that you've actually sponsored this mm. um, and, 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 and made the effort to get these guys out here because it's really, it's been a phenomenal day. No, thank you very much. We're also very excited about it. Um, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Uh, MTN is doing a, a wonderful amount of things in the digital space, especially in the innovation space, and uh, you guys partnered up with the Gartner Symposium and the Aspiring Innovators Awards from that perspective. You also do the MTN App of the Year. And there's great stuff happening in terms of how you're nurturing the new business coming up through through South African industry. Um, how is that going from an MTN perspective? And is there more on the horizon of things that MTN are going to get involved in in the future? Yeah, uh, if, if you have a look at the bright strategy that um, our CEO announced last week, the growth, but the G of bright is growth through data and digital. Yeah. And the real driver behind that is in the smartphone world, you've got a SIM and you can only do a call through that SIM. In, I mean, in a, in a feature phone world. In a smartphone world is um, when you're mobile, maybe you're on the SIM. When you're at home, you're on fiber. Or yeah, if you're at work, yeah. you're on someone else's Wi-Fi. So the problem is, is you don't have 100% control over the customer. So the beauty, I suppose, of this digital revolution is putting the foot back on the consumer. Yeah. And so what we need to do is as we migrate our customers, and we've only got about 27% of the 250 million on a smartphone today, but that's changing rapidly. We think in three years' time that's going to be 60%. And so we call that That's incredible. It is incredible. In, uh, I think it's Ivory Coast this year, just in six months it's gone from 13% to 26%. And that's partly with it coming down, partly because we're pushing it as well because um, as the um, uh, voice charges come down, as people start using voice OTT, we need to drive data usage up because it's expensive to roll out our data, yeah. so you, yeah. you can't have lo- low volumes. Um, and um, what, what's really interesting is that if we want to keep you in our eco- ecosystem, we need to provide services have that to. you're interested in. It's yeah. like the shopping mall. Mm. If you build a shopping mall and you put one shop in it, yeah. people don't go there. Yeah, or if go. you put great shops in it and never change it, People yeah. eventually get bored of it and don't go. Yeah, so, exactly. So this whole digital services bit is very important that you get the right services to drive data usage. Yeah. And then you, you get the right network strategy, which we've got this dual data strategy that he talks about, the sort of high-speed high LTE in the cities and the very thin yeah. but, but broad coverage of, of uh, 3G data in, in the rural areas. Um, and then you get, have to get your mobile phone strategy right. It's no good putting Apple iPhones into yeah. you know, Uganda. It's yeah. just too expensive. So there's a whole – it's yeah. actually quite scientific around it. And so managing that's quite important. 
No, that's it's awesome. That I mean, that, that's the level of it. I mean, most people will just pick up their phone and probably blame you from time to time if, <laughs> if a call drops. But historically, that's sort of where MTN was positioned. They're very much a consumer-driven, focused business where Correct. we're going to connect people. Yeah, it was the David and Goliath. Yeah, and um, yeah, which one's David? Which one's Goliath? And this is it's the <laughs> no, side no, of it. But, but when MTN started, it was yeah. it was David, and it <clears throat> took on the Goliaths. Yeah. It, it was a great story. Yeah. Fantastic story. But the consumer-driven thing, I mean, we talk about disruption at the Singularity U. We're speaking about exponential growth. I mean, you, there's, there's talk of voice uh, services being, being disrupted very much so by data services these days, where data is very much overriding. So you guys have had to see that sort of shift in, in, user, in user acceptance of things. And you've even gone into fixed line. You've gone into business packaging. Uh, there's this great stuff that MTN have done. Can you share a little bit more about some of the journey or some of the experiences you've seen coming out of that? Yeah, there's a f- few things driving it, and this is also, you know, going back to uh, last week's um, half-year presentation. What the work we've done is that uh, if you have a look at the consumer, uh, the market across our markets, yeah. so the 100% market. Voice will, will, will drop by about 80 billion rand over the next three years. Sure. Data usage will go up about 80, 80 billion rand. Okay. And digital services will go up about 80 billion rand. So, what do you mean digital services? Sorry, Stephen, I interrupted. So, content, video, okay. so, um, um, music, financial okay. services, you know, okay. anything that gets consumed over an internet connection. And it's owned by MTN or, 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 or well, enabled some, by well, MTN? Some of it, yeah. Largely enabled because. Okay. I don't want to become a bank. Okay. I want to enable right. banking, yes. but I don't want to be the bank. Yes. I'm not going to... But it's driving you know, create, Exactly right. I'm not going to create videos and stuff. Mm. I'll go and get them from, you know, whoever. So yeah. the MVNO space, as, as you've discussed now, I mean, it very much is that context within which we exist in this digital landscape that we find ourselves. Hmm. So the way I look at it is... Um, and you mentioned it with the malls now as well. Yeah, yeah. well, if, if, if you think about it, the, the actual physical network is like a highway. Yeah. Okay. And if if you build a highway from Joburg to Durban, you can leave it with potholes, but then people will find an alternative route. So you want it to be the best. And that's what MTN's really, you know, um, strive to do. The the second thing you then have to do is if you had a feature phone, you couldn't get off the highway because you were locked into the sim. (laughs) But now with a smartphone, you actually can get off the highway. So if you're driving down the highway and you say, I need some petrol, if I don't put a petrol station at the right place on the highway, what do you do? You go off into the nearest town, you go and you buy your petrol yeah. there. It's off off my highway, so yeah. I don't get rental or we don't get any fees. Yeah. You then see a nice little restaurant, you still have something to eat, and you see, oh, there's a nice little scenic route, and you, you go off down the scenic route, you join my road 200 kilometers down the road. I've just lost a massive opportunity. So the digital side of it is really building those off-ramps and the infrastructure to make sure there's services yeah. so that while you're driving on the highway... You're enjoying that experience. Enjoying. You can do everything you want to do. Okay. And that's really what you're trying to build over time. And obviously that takes time. So coming back to Singularity U, that we're having a great experience here, just, just from a personal perspective, what's really inspiring you about the conversations that are happening and what inspires you about the future? What inspires, inspires me about the... Sorry, let's start again. What inspires me about the future was something that happened to me actually at Davos about four yeah. years ago. Is um, I was really, really worried about education in South Africa. 
And I thought, how on earth are we going to solve this problem? 100%. Because if we don't solve education, everything else doesn't, it really doesn't, doesn't work. And so I decided to follow the track of digital education. And it was very interesting. I walked into a presentation. There was like 400 people there, Bill Gates on the stage, and they call up this 11-year-old girl from Pakistan yes. or Afghanistan or somewhere. She had come second in a engineering degree of sorts out of MIT that was done over the uh, over the Remotely, yeah. yeah, but over the air, you know, over over, over, over the internet, and uh, they didn't know she was 11. Oh when, wow! When she was doing it, because it was all just you know remote. It's an MIT course. It's an MIT course. Yeah, so she it's listened a, so, in. Not school level. Not thing. school level. She yeah. listened in. She went over, you know, on an internet connection. She passed this thing. They found out she was eleven. They they brought her there. But she walks up onto the stage, and the 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 MC says, "So how does it feel to meet Bill Gates?" And she says, Bill who? <laughs> but the reality is, is suddenly the penny dropped yeah. that if we really use yeah. this asset we've got, we can fundamentally change education yeah. at a very low cost. And that's really what Caesar was getting at, yeah. is um, you don't have to go through this very stifling, straight-jacket curriculum. Quite right. You can allow people to explore stuff. And, yeah. that. and we sing in business today. There's another you know, funny, funny story. Um, when I was a youngster, just starting out in banking, I went to one of our parastatals, and I walked in, and I had a meeting. As I walked out, I said to, you know, to the guy, you know, Jelani, this is just a massive place. How many people work here? And he said to me, about 30%. <laughs> and, the, and the funny story of that is if in today's world where you've got access to information and internet you know, and we on our iPhones yeah. have got more information than Bill Clinton had when he was uh, president is you cannot give people a job description no. because you all you're doing is you're only getting 40% from yep. them yep. so you pay them 100% <laughs> yeah. but they only work 40% yep. yeah. so you've got to change the way you interact with your staff you've got to create Vertical slice committees, not horizontal slice committees. Yeah. You've got to allow people to do task-based work. You're no yes. longer the boss, you're just a mentor because yeah. people are doing work for lots yeah. of different people. Absolutely. And then you can get 100% and you get the productivity. And, it's, and the best. And the best. And it's ditto for education. I mean, that um, a presentation by Dr. Vivian Ming, that for me is very inspiring. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. and, and some of the stuff I've actually seen, there's a, there's a maths... Uh, project somewhere out in Mpumalanga where this guy's collected maths test results yes. from 10 years and he can tell you which bits of maths you don't understand and so they can start focusing on the bits you don't understand yeah. and so suddenly you get this equality in education yeah. so it doesn't mean you've got to go to the top schools or the whatever everyone can get an equal education and that, if you think about it, in Africa specifically, but in the, in the world in a whole, this inequality is what's driving all the attrition, 100%. all the issues that we've got. And if we can get rid of that, you know, you don't all have to be Bill Gates. You don't all have to be the CEO. But you want to have the choice to decide whether you want to have a go at being the CEO yeah, or not. 100%. And if you don't have agree. choice, that's when all the problems Agree. That's fantastic. Stephen Collar from MTN, the strategic partner of the Singularity University Summit. Thank you so much for your time today. Hey. And uh, look forward to seeing you in the rest of the summit. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, there you go. That was Stephen from Collar. Brett, you asked him some hard questions. You tried to put him in a corner a bit there, didn't you? 
I did before the microphones were on as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, 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 uh, there, was, there was a little minor question around hashtag Dr. Miss 4, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> it was, it, oh, that's cheeky, eh? No, it, it, was, it, was, it was quite funny because he kind of looked at Brett and said... We're not some, talking about that today. And <laughs> it's not my department. Um, you know, it's, 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 so, so you can ask as much as you want, but I'm really not even going to engage with you on that. But, but he, he was quite honest about that. They have yeah. to look at that. And the, the truth is as well that the infrastructure <laughs> that they do put down is... Is really important, and it actually Absolutely. is enabling a lot of connectivity to, to make is. these technologies work, which which is important. Yeah, well done. Keep doing it. Hundred percent. So, I mean, talking about hashtags and and praising biology, hashtag uh, biology must not fall. Yeah, no, I, I, I gave up biology. <laughs> I'm trying to go somewhere here with this, you know, yeah, with I'm, Raymond Magauli. I've got a I, play I, on it. Right? I, I, I worked that up, but I gave up biology a long time ago. Yeah. Was that a mistake, Brett? No. <laughs> No, yeah. it, was, it was totally there. One thing that I find <laughs> Are you two done? We should separate you two. Yeah, you should. The osmosis between you two is already happening. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> but we, we speak so much about the future and, and the, the new age or the new industrial revolution and how technology is changing things. So I don't know how many people are actually paying attention to mm. our own biology. And they talk mm. about the three big things, genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics. But genetics and nanotechnology are very much invasive of our own biologies. And, uh, yeah, I watched the movie uh, Ghost in the Shell recently. Ooh, and it's all about I how – see that. Yeah, you must check it out. So it's very much linked into how that can work. But Raymond oh, McCauley – that's where the lady is like just – Well, it's just whole this brain. Body, it's, it's just a brain, Brain right? plugged into a yes, big machine. Yes, I just, have seen yeah. it. Mind and body. how you can do these cyber enhancements of of of, hum, of your Human your 2.0. Human 5.0. Yeah. And, and going – and it's amazing, but the the big question that Raymond brought up was more around the ethics of whether or not we yeah. should do these things, and if we could do these things, and if we can get to a point where we can start genetically engineering our children yeah, to ethics, be better yeah. children. Well, what th- does it mean for us? Well, he goes a step further, right? I mean, <laughs> during his show, he had one of those DNA samplers, and he's wandering around the audience kind of as though he was on Tinder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, then swipe left and get a test on your DNA. No, thank you. <laughs> You're no. not quite right. Hold on. We've of... got some DNA here. Well, right? That was CRISPR, hey. So CRISPR. the CRISPR gene <laughs> genome sequencing tool with, with Tinder. In it's the like handheld. a little API. You don't need to swipe left anymore. You just need to like, prick your finger. <laughs> it's quite scary. I mean, it's the end of privacy there. You go on a date and, you, you know, I mean, it's the end of privacy. But that's the big, that's the big question right. as well. There's yeah. so much ethics around it. Like, what is, yeah, it what is. is it ethically society? Absolutely. From a societal standpoint, mm. what is it from a privacy standpoint? Yeah. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? It's going to change how we are as a society. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, before we let you philosophize around the ethics, yes. because you are the digital philosopher, let's yes. jump into the chat. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, Raymond says it better <laughs> than the three of us can. So yeah. uh, let's get to that interview with Mr. Raymond McCauley around digital biology at Singularity Summit. You're still with the Futurology Show right here at the Singularity University Summit in Johannesburg. And Justin, it's just you and me. You've, ex- you've exchanged one bread for the other. Jeez, like I thought I was getting hey? rid of the breads. Rotating doors, revolving doors for you today, man. Can Jeez, you keep up like. with all this change? Uh, no, not, not at this time of the afternoon. <laughs> no, that's good. It's been a really, really exciting day. A lot of information overload um, and a lot of great things happening. But we've got one of the greatest guest that I heard today, and uh, we've got Mr. Raymond McCauley, no association to Mr. Ray McCauley of Raymer Church in South Africa? Not at Zero. all. Not at all? Zero. As you can hear straight away. <laughs> and uh, 
Raymond, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. And your, your talk was all about uh, digital biology, and you had some amazing things. I've, I'm, I tried to keep up making notes, but we spoke about some genome sequencing, some reprogramming medicine, and some engineering of humans, and a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the big things that happened towards the end of your talk was the, the ethics question. Yeah. Just because we can doesn't mean we necessarily should. And But before we get into that, that's, that's the taste of where we're going. Mm. Tell us about who you are, what you do, and what you think of singularity. Well, so I'm just this guy from Texas, and I uh, grew up on a ranch, trained as a computer scientist and electrical engineer, wanted to be an astronaut when I grew up, ended up working for the government for years and years and years and got really bored with that, mm. and then went back to school and became a biophysicist, a molecular biologist, studied nanotechnology, and kind of saw where some of these new things were coming. Did it maybe a little earlier. Uh, I was in the late 90s whenever I made this big career shift. And since then, it's been my privilege to work on some amazing teams with startups and scientific institutions. Um, I got to help put together the technology that does next-generation genome sequencing. And I've worked in systems biology cancer sequencing. Um, I've done projects for NASA on closed environment life support systems and helped start Singularity University about 10 years ago. Wow. Wow. So, and that's been so fantastic. Anytime I get to be in a room with the, the people who make that up, it's just such a great ride. Well, then, thank you very much for starting Singularity University because <laughs> this is my first exposure to it, and I must say I am absolutely blown away, and I'm so grateful to know that something like this exists on the planet. We sure do have a good time with it. It's Whenever I was a kid, I was good. We'll say one more thing. I love the movie Buckaroo Banzai. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Nope. No, no, no. Oh, so it's about a scientist who's also a neurosurgeon and a rock star. Awesome. Oh, wow. Great combination. <laughs> yeah. And, and Singularity University kind of makes that come true. You walk into a room, everybody there is an astronaut and a pilot and a doctor, and they, but they're all really down to earth. They're just these nice guys and, and gals. And so it's a lot of fun to, to do what we do. It, it really is. A, sorry, Justin. It really is a, a, an, a coming together of, of great minds and also a bringing down of walls between a lot of faculties and stuff that, that exist sometimes in isolation. And I think the thing that I've, I've really loved over the last little while is just seeing how we can talk about biology, digital biology, and we can go straight away into robotics and artificial intelligence and, and these things that sometimes can seem so disparate from each other and bring them right into the same space. And they, they really seem to meet. It's, yeah. It's so much fun for me. Whenever we started it, we didn't really have that as the explicit plan. We wanted to expose people to all of these different technologies, but we kind of went out and said, no, oh, here are the experts in each field, and we'll get them to do their silo. And I think after we were all in the room together and listened to each other so many different times, we are like, hey, maybe that thing that you're doing is going to help me with this project. And, you know, it's it's amazing that all of the big advances we're doing today, yeah. right? And I mean as a, as a civilization on this planet. Yeah. We've kind of exhausted some of the deep dives in, in different fields. And now to really do something interesting, you've got to say, well, okay, we need at least two or three different expertises. And so to do that correctly, you either have to have somebody who can just accumulate PhDs like baseball cards yeah. Or they're really good at working with a group of people and kind of being that glue or that translator. And I I think that that is sort of the key to getting through this next 20 or 30 years, you know. 
Yeah. So I've got a, a little bit of a question. So one of the things I really enjoyed you talking about was this biohacking space that you've created and some of the very useful things coming out of that. And um, and you showed examples of other sort of hacking spaces around the U.S. And, and I know um, in South Africa we've recently started sort of a, a hardware hacking, so your typical 3D printing and that sort of stuff. But the conference is really around future-proofing Africa. And a lot of these things you know, take a significant amount of investment to get up and running. How does, how does a, a space like Africa, who's in desperate need of a lot of these technologies, especially you know, in your space when, you, when you're talking about the medical advances and the benefits that that can have in terms of um, you know, simple things like uh, uh, um, longevity, uh, when you have the, the average age in Africa is, is lower than most other, other parts of the world. Um, how, how does that sort of thing become accessible? How do governments maybe or large organizations play a role? And, and have you seen stuff like that happening? Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. I think uh, maybe the last 20 years of some of this technology when we're on these exponential curves, the story is really about things that you used to need a government for then you needed a large company, and then you needed a small company, and then you could do in your garage. Yeah, yeah. And so we found, like, BioCurious is a perfect example. Me and five other people, and we said, man, somebody needs to do this. And then finally we kind of got tired of waiting for somebody else to do it and mm-hmm. said, let's just put all of the stuff in our garages together and, and let people use it and, and figure it out. Um, we were amazed at how cheap it was. Mm. So uh, we actually, this was 2009, we did a Kickstarter project. And to give you an idea how early this was in Kickstarter, we were the most successful, most well-funded Kickstarter project ever at (laughs) $36,000. And people were just like, wow. Wow. And and that's all the the start-off funding. And you got your backing. Yeah, yeah. People people loved it. People thought, this is just so crazy and radical. We'll we'll give it a shot. But with that money, most of that went toward being able to have some real estate opening yes. up a space, a commercial space. Um, all the equipment, which is the hard part about doing this thing. If, if you were a company and you were going to start it up, you'd have to quit your job, go fundraise, yeah, yeah. you know, capital equipment, millions of dollars, and then maybe your thing doesn't work and so that was all for naught. Yeah. But we found we could do pretty well with really cheap equipment. We could make a lot of our own things, which was kind of what the, the DIY movement was mm-hmm. doing at the time. Mm-hmm. We could go ahead and get, you know, like last generation, last year, especially at schools where they get a grant and have to spend the money, and sometimes they have to spend it on equipment. They'll go ahead and kind of, this comes out the back door, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would rather you have it than it go over here. Um, and and then companies, especially because we had nonprofit status, would give us things that ordinarily they would have sold, and they're just like, ah, it's a tax loss. Yeah. So it it was really nice. We were able to do it for pennies on the dollar, and all of those ways are great ways, I think, for individuals who are trying to scrounge and start a a business or a, a process, something mm-hmm. new, or organizations to do this. You ended your talk today uh, with the we're in a scientific revolution viva the scientific revolution with a great mismatch of Einstein and Che Guevara but that's fantastic and I'd like you just to expand on, on what that is for our listeners who weren't able to come and listen to your, your speech today but specifically things around the g- genetic modification of things like mosquitoes and how we can actually use them as hypodermic needles that fly around <laughs> I mean that's a wild wild concept and you, you shared some others so please if you will uh, share with us some of the great things that you think are happening today in this. sure sure well I, I think a lot of what is going on is you have 
people who are really deep in one subject are making the jump over to the other, this interdisciplinary thing. And so they look at it in a whole new way, and so something instead of being a problem, you know, we're, we're bringing a new tool across sort of a, a barrier to do something. They just bring fresh blood, and that's nice. Um, but we're really seeing leaps where people before had crawled, mm. and it's the tech getting cheap, it's the free accessibility of information, and really there's this great DIY and open source piece, and sometimes that's in competition against you know good old-fashioned intellectual property, and you got to make some money to pay a mortgage, and that's okay. Mm. Um, but people are giving away things, and you can pick up things free on the ground, both knowledge and equipment, that ordinarily you would have had to just spend years trying to acquire. So one of the things we're looking at is how can we get more people working on these harder subjects? And I always like the example of it's easy to make an app. It's hard to cure cancer. So I, I worry that you know, people will kind of go for the easy wins and I'll be 102 and I'll have my iPad 27, but I won't be able to see the little Farmville game on it because I'll be drooling so much from, you know, some <laughs> neurological thing. So we've got to come up with a way to do a little bit better job. And, and to me, that is putting more tools in more hands, having more people be familiar with this, especially from an early age. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's kind of that implication. The other thing is all of these technologies and the, the GNR, right? Yeah. Genetics, nanotechnology, robotics, which really so perfectly come together for biotech, uh, are incredibly powerful. And so they do have a great upside and a horrifying downside. And part of, I think, how you look at that, you know, some people are like, oh, we need to regulate this and restrict that and not do these things and put a moratorium. And, and for me, that always just means the good guys stop working on it and the bad guys keep working on yeah. it. And that's not where you want to be. Yeah. But if you go ahead and say, hey, there's some things we're going to get wrong. Let's see how many things we can get right and how much knowledge we can build up and what we can do. And, and so I, I tell people, I say, if you're scared about a technology, your very best thing to do is get that technology in the hands of five-year-olds, of Third graders. Yeah. Embrace uh, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just find out, you know, and I don't mean experiment on the kids so much. <laughs> <laughs> Although you can, and that's, that's pretty cheap, and it kind of depends on the regulatory environment. But to go ahead and... Be curious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And kids are such great scientists. Yeah, kids yeah. love to ask questions and try things and do it without any ego yeah. and without any worry. Do you find that... That type of approach to it is very collaborative as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, let's try this, let's try this. And sometimes, you know, there'll be some little natural leader or sometimes a bully and they do their own thing. But (laughs) kids will get things done. And and it's just amazing. And I think so much of our educational systems are a way to do mass babysitting and we beat that creativity Mm, out out of of them. Absolutely. Well, we've got a a new thing that my wife and I are are trying on our four-year-old and it's to allow her to be bored. It's okay for them to be bored because I remember when I was bored was the moments where I went into my imagination mm-hmm. and you can come Good, up with creative, creative spaces. Yeah. And I think too often we're throwing screen time and things at like this. But you mentioned something as well with regards to people trying to uh, genetically engineer, I suppose, 
our children or uh, in the future we've got the, the haves and the have-nots and the haves are in a position where they're able to say, well, I want my child to not have the genetic makeup that allows them to be, uh, have the propensity to get AIDS or cancer or, or any of the other bad things that we never want our children to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that comes in this, uh, Nick Hahn was talking about how exponential technology increases or amplifies the differences and we need to have the uh, design inclusion in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, Your thoughts on that? I mean, that's a big topic. We don't have a lot of time today, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, you know, for sure, we're going to have these technologies. They're going to be used. And we, as as human beings, you know, we're we're both natural engineers and we love our kids. And so we, sometimes that comes together and we're going to engineer our kids. But I, I think so many of these technologies, they... I really, truly believe they will be something expensive, inexpensive and accessible to many people, but that's not how they're going to start. Yeah. And, and life extension, genetic engineering, uh, some of the future neurological things, you know, just who can afford a tablet and a smartphone, or at least a nice one now, although that's spreading fairly quickly. So how do we information enable these technologies so that it's not some machine or, or mm. a particular protected technique, but it's something you can spread out and repeat and do it fast. Mm. That, that for me is one thing. And just being aware that rich people are going to get it first and do we want to live in a world like that? And rather than maybe wringing our hands about, oh, should we ever do this? It's like, well, let people do what they're going to do and let's learn. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it's, a lot yeah, of the, experiments. The sooner we do it, the sooner we can actually drive that price down. Right? That's just how commercials work. In the, in the mm. beginning with a new technology, it's so expensive to get it out there and commercialize it. And initially, yes, it, it makes sense just because of pure economics that the rich people get to it. But I think mm. with this sort of stuff, I certainly get the impression there's enough people working on it that it's going to be too difficult to control and limit to just the rich. It's going to get out there, right? I mean, you're already talking about some open open source databases with you know genome sequences and that sort of stuff. In may not be complete, but they are out there. Yeah. Um, and some more examples of that sort of thing tells me that we probably are heading towards a route where it's going to be uh, available to to the masses, just not from day one. Mm-hmm. And we'll get there over time. I, I I do think so, and it's been hard for me because. You know, I've got the soul of an engineer, yeah. and I tend to see things as black and white, and, you know, this is right and all the other solutions are wrong. This is one that's going to have and always going to have huge numbers of gray areas, mm. and different individuals and different societies will approach this differently. And one of the things you kind of have to tell yourself is, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's actually great. On a global scale, we're going to do a lot of experiments and see what works at what doesn't work. And there's one more thing kind of along those lines. Um, you know, sometimes in the tech world we joke that uh, early adopters are, of course, stupid people with too much money. <laughs> so, and, and that sounds Out of the other good. side of it. <laughs> stupid people with no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which is even worse. Yeah. Um, for genetic engineering, the idea of being the early adopter, in some ways it's nice to be the first one there. In other ways... You get the the platform with all the bugs, which in human terms means you have a kid and maybe the upgrade didn't work as well as you mm-hmm. and that leg tragic, yeah, yeah. or <laughs> you know, or or cancer, and yeah. and not to be a downer about it, but there will be real risks to oh, doing sure. it in wrong. the beginning, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Tell me, so, so again, you spoke about so many wonderful things and, and GMOs and you spoke about GMO 3.0 as you see it now. And again, for, for the courtesy of our listeners that weren't there, you know, that intrigued me a lot because there's this big debate around GMO enhanced food and we shouldn't be eating it and it's actually causing more cancers and that sort of stuff. And you had a different view looking at GMO 3.0. Do you love to elaborate a bit on that? Sure. And uh, not originally in my field, but now I do so much work with reading and writing DNA, and it just kind of naturally gravitated there. And I remember, you know, the debate from the outside, like, oh, yeah, I, I ought to buy organic. I ought to do this. Whenever I started looking at it, it was like, oh, yeah, man, there's there's no there there. Everybody's worried or complaining about it. Um, to, to offend as many people as possible. Uh, we, we talk about GMOs and the, the fear of GMOs is sort of the liberal version of, uh, climate change denial, you know, where people just are like, well, we don't trust the scientists on that, of course. <laughs> but I, I think it's hard to say that there's any kind of problem there. About a trillion meals have been served to humanity over the last 50 years that have GMOs in them. Nobody's been able to draw any kind of a line or any kind of causal relationship or really any correlation that mm. makes any sense. Mm. Um, so now things could go wrong with GMOs. You could definitely have people do some bad things. But I think there's a lot of noise and fury mm. in that debate that is detracting from some of the scary things that could really happen that we ought to be debating and watching for. But but the great thing is now because, like all of these technologies, this is getting cheaper. You don't have to be a multi-billion dollar corporation to do this. Mm. Co-ops of farmers are now coming up with genetically engineered strains of cash crops that will grow in their climate or, you know, brackish water or Mm. soil that... Or require less water. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's it's incredible that uh, these types of things are not just in the future, the distant future. They're, they're on our doorstep, and these are things that we can start to learn from today mm-hmm. to make sure that we're in a better position later. You had a, a great quote, and it was your fourth law of engineering that you had uh, inscribed on, on one of your, your cool kits. I think it was a, was it a, a chemistry a lab. In that bench or something, yeah. It was a little synthetic biology lab in a box. You yeah. could actually modify a microbe and make it grow anything you want to. Fantastic. Wow. And the fourth law of engineering was? If you don't know how to build it, you don't understand it. And that is fantastic. I think that's something to inspired by the five-year-olds and all that as well. Like, give it to them. Let, let's understand what this is. Exactly. And I think so many people, I mean, I, I've, I've used this quote a few times. It's that quote from Jurassic Park, which is, we spent so much time trying to find out if we could. We didn't stop to think whether we or not we should. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's this great idea that with understanding, we can actually start to build great things. Thank you so much for your time yeah. today. Thanks for having me. And I think that's a, that's a nice note to finish off on. Something I've really been intrigued by today and, and just about everyone we've spoken yeah. to is this notion of embracing all of this stuff as opposed to Fearing trying it, to control yeah. it and fear it. And, and it's almost like the inevitability of it is there. It's going to happen. So embrace it and rather learn from it than trying to control it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's fantastic. And I think that's sure. the opportunity for future-proofing Africa is get the Africans. I mean, we've, as, as has been alluded to, we can leapfrog so many of the lessons learned by, by the sort of first world countries by just embracing this stuff. Such great opportunities yeah. for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you cool. so much, uh, Mr. Raymond Wakali, for your time. I look forward to the opportunity and privilege to have you back on the Futurology Show. I would love that. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, see you around Singularity. See you around. Thank cool. you. Cheers. Keep well. Bye.
Okay, so that's it. This is the new way to date. I'm convinced. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go get my, my DNA sampler right now, guys. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, no, man. you're not. I no, put an order. Not. Wait, listen to this. Yeah. That's me ordering. Throwing your ethics out the window. <laughs> Does your wife know about this, eh? What well, was, I, I suppose it's a I've bit just late. DNA checked her and we've decided... Um, she's not human. <laughs> she's not human. Anyone married to me is not human. <laughs> uh, clearly not, eh? But it, it's it's a big it's a big task, eh? Uh, it's a big task. It's a big task. I mean, they're, they're only looking at big global challenges. These guys, yeah, they are. I mean, it's as, as crazy as it seems to us. I mean, we go and we're like we're not thinking on this level day to day. No, no it we're just kind of make us make me think that we, we is should there be. a way <laughs> that we could expand it? You know, do, do we spend us a wasting away in a bar? Well, you, you, you know, are we not really dealing with big issues? Because these guys talk about these big well, issues well, you, you, all day long. But the the point here is, you know, I mean, Peter Diamandis keeps talking about it. You know, it's the understanding that we do live in an abundant world. You mm. know, the scarcity is yeah. just a, a, a framework of our economic model. Mm. But also, if you want to earn a billion dollars, find a problem a billion people have. Yes. And, and that's why they're focusing on these great global challenges, these grand challenges, because yeah. they're saying, well, how do we fix these problems? So they're looking at this from a, a, a simple, realistic business model. So if you're simply looking at the same saying, I want to find my thousand true fans versus the next billion problem to solve, you know, change your yeah. thinking and you'll change the results. Not hard. No. I'm just, I mean, there's so many problems that a billion people have, right? Exactly. My mind's just racing. I mean, you can see why the guys are doing malaria, diabetes. Yeah. And when uh, you look at Africa, warming, you when know, you look at Africa, quality. we have a billion people. Yeah. And if you just solve well, the billion all problems. our problems, well, yeah, just, exactly. well, just find million people. We don't need one person to find the billion, solu- billion people solution. We just need people to focus on the million things. Yeah. Like focus on, focus on big impact solutions remember rather Ray. than how many fans i have on facebook remember ray came in and they're solving one african problem i mean i love that there's some local guys yeah really yeah. addressing that one big problem now we need a whole lot of us thinking like that now we do i doubt these big thinkers are trying to solve african problems the wonderful thing about africa is that i mean we look at it and everybody's talking about this the new industrial revolution and how is africa going to catch up well they don't need to because no with we can, the, leapfrog. With, we can yeah. leapfrog from mm. and the biggest reason why we have yeah. to leapfrog actually is because the lack of infrastructure throughout the african continent to access the, the people with the need means that technology needs to be things like drones that deliver blood parcels mm. into the middle of mm. nowhere and mm. that you are able to do things. And it's really fun to see not only the exponential disruptive technology coming in, but these leapfrog technologies that are answering needs. So, well, guys, yeah. I, I think this is important. They've got tickets on sale. They've already, already launched next the, the, the next set of early birds. Yep. They've done the early earlies. The early birds are now live. How much yeah. did you say they were, Brett? Checking it out now. But if you go to the Singularity U South Africa org website, uh, you can have faster internet than I have I right know. now. I was about I to say, it did to... sound like you were buying time, www. I will buy more time. It's My name than trying is to Brett add Lindsay. Add hashtag dot there, so. <laughs> Actually, while we're there, please download uh, our podcast when you're there. Yep. Give us five stars, like, subscribe, do the works. Uh, mm. Our Twitter handles at Futurology Show. Um, so, yeah. Please share the show. I mean, the Singularity series is phenomenal. For all of you guys who yeah. were not able to make it, trust me, you want to make it next year and you want to book your tickets now. 100%. Awesome. So, yeah, early bird tickets, 
on sale for thirteen thousand seven hundred and fifty. That's that's nothing. It's well worth it. It's it well worth it. It really it's is. Well worth it. You put it in dollars terms. You're not going to go to a show overseas in the United States for less than two and a half thousand dollars, guys. Yeah. So they're not actually just a correction. They're not actually on sale now. They'll be on sale early twenty eighteen, but that'll be the early bird price. So make sure you get ah, that early bird price. Okay. Fantastic. Awesome. Cool. So, Until the next episode of Futurology. Yes, we absolutely. Have, and we have more singularity to, to get through. We do. Fantastic. So if Exciting. you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed the show, we've got more for you coming soon. Cheers. 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 Cliffcentral.com.